fact, this eye cream is my new obsession. Oh, God, we're back. The we're boys here are back. again. Here again. It's only been a month-ish, three weeks. We don't. They don't need to know. So much is changed. They're what do you not. Mean? They see. They when just come listened. Out. They just listened to the last episode. People binge podcasts You've, now. They wait until the fiftieth episode's out, and then they take three days hey, off that's work. Next week. Oh. This is our forty-ninth. So next time we record, we're getting ready. This is the setup episode, but sometimes it's the best one. Yeah, we have like, all kinds uh, of plans. Like I, Breaking I hope, Bad. I hope you like guest stars. <laughs> a star-studded 50th. I, I mean, we got I, to. Legally, I can't say the full name of our first guest star, but I can say his first name is Bruce. His last name is Laura. <laughs> what? <laughs> we got Ken Jong. We got Eugene Mervin. It's gonna be a hell of a night. Live, live from Los Angeles. We have Paula Poundstone tuning in. <laughs> we just cut up her cameo footage. <laughs> Paula Poundstone, I, Laura Dern, but her voice. Yeah. Man, so so much, literally so much has happened since we recorded. It's true. I think we've got to, right, everyone knows, we can't really beat around the bush any longer, that Laura Dern has taken credit for the September 11th attacks. (laughs) And we would be remiss if we didn't bring this up. We see your tweets. Uh, We want you to know that Making a podcast about someone is not endorsing them as a human. And it was really weird that she um, tied it into a uh, rest in peace DMX tweet of hers. <laughs> that was a really weird move. I almost think her account got hacked, but it's still up. So. Well, that's what she said happened. Well, but she that. didn't delete it. That's <laughs> that's the problem. And then she deflected with, as you listeners just heard, an ad for her eye cream. Yes. Which she is selling. You know what? Good for her. Get that money. The Empire Reigns. I think the 9-11 thing, obviously she didn't really do it. I think she said she did it just to get PR so she can show the eye. You know what I think? I think that all of these makeup companies that she, she is shilling for now are companies that stole ideas from the labs that were in the Twin Towers. And they had to just, <laughs> Famously they had so. to steal it and blow up the Twin Towers to cover their tracks so they could make billions in... 20 years after the Twin Towers Laboratories. Yes. (laughs) Twin Tower Labs. You got Lab 1 and Lab 2. It's where they made all the money. Exactly. Anyway, uh, this is Dern After Reading. This is, I'm Nick. And I'm Max. And uh, we're here to talk about every Laura Dern film and um, joint, as Spike Lee would say. She's got to get in a joint. I'm su- mm, I almost said out I'm loud. not surprised, but I wouldn't be surprised if she did. I think she could play a very good evil white woman in a Spike Lee movie. I wonder if they've gotten to kick it. I mean, Spike, it must Laura, be weird for them. If you're listening, let us know. He's like half her height. He That's not that weird for he, people, he, Nick. He need a step Short men exist. <laughs> oh, am I overlooking your plight once more? As always, Nick's a bigot. It's a damn shame that 50 years from now, people won't even listen to this because of your bigotry. Yeah, that's why people aren't listening because to this. short guys will finally be recognized. <laughs> I've be- been fighting to, for us to be a protected class. Go on, now's your chance. Dude, Shoot your shot. I saw one of the things I've done in, the, in our interim three weeks off, I went to a casino and um, I made money 
pretty you good did. one. I I won four roulette games in a row. I just betted red or black, double or nothing, four in a row, lost one, and then I won two more, and then I left. Made 125 sweet, sweet dollars yeah. off of that uh, Poconos Casino. You know what? I, I do that same exact thing. Yeah. Except the leaving part. I always give it back every fucking time. I'm proud of you, Nikki. I the thing is, I went back like we. I was like with my parent. My sister had just turned 21, and my parents realized that they never took me to a casino when I turned 21. So we all went as a group, and we all kind of like split up, did our own thing. The first thing I did was I took 20 dollars, went up to a nice man at a roulette table, and said, "I've never done this before." He gave me chips, showed me how to do it, put it on black. I won, and then I wrote. I went on alternating, so I did red, black, red, black, one, 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 and every time I, my. When I first did it, my idea was if I lose, I'm not going to do it anymore. If I win, I'm going to get a drink. $20 on red. Yes. Okay. And I won back 20 So nice. I did that like three times, maybe four, lost once. And then later, like I was with my family, we were all back together and we were like walking through to the chip cashing place and I stopped one more time and I bet 25, 25 in a row. So I made 50 flat and then I uh, walked out. I saw a little person. I saw a bunch of crazy locals. It was fun. One guy, I was wearing a bow tie, and this guy who was in the parking I lot... saw a little person. Like, it's a fucking zoo animal. <laughs> he was fun. This is what I'm talking about. He was about. gambling. This crazy guy who, he says he's been going to this casino for 11 years, and he just, like, drinks at the bar, because the bar's cheap, because they want you to stay and drink and gamble. Yeah. And, um, he, he grabbed me, I was at the bar, and he, like, kind of started chewing my ear, and he said, you know, when I saw you with that bow tie come in, I thought... I wonder if when he wins, it spins. <laughs> we talked for a while. This man also... Inf- I hope so. This man also informed me that he was he was known as the boy maker because he, <laughs> Excuse he, me? Would, he would donate sperm and he had like a 100% ratio of boys and he went to China for a while. He, this is what he said. I don't know do if it's you, true. Do you get the sense that this could all be true? It's... I feel... A lot of it seemed true. And he would pepper in facts that were definitely true. Like, the bartender he used to babysit when he was a child. And, like, the bartender confirmed this. So, like, there were facts yes. among it. I don't know. But I believe that this man Could went be some to... tall tales. I feel like if you spend more than a decade in a casino... But also... Your life just becomes a tall tale. Maybe he can just go to the casino and drink every day. Because he made millions blasting his load in China. Hell yeah. Sh- shooting ropes for the Communist Party. Making that red flag white. <laughs> Um, so what have you been up to in the meet? I have one more thing, but let's alternate. What have you been doing? Let's alternate. How's Max life? I just went to Jacksonville, Florida, the greater Jacksonville, Florida Florida area to visit my parents. Lovely town. Yeah, I'll blow up their town. How's your parents? Lovely? They are lovely. Oh, good. They are quite good. Um, (laughs) (laughs) you can be honest, Max. Yeah. No. Shut up. (laughs) Your parents are great. I've heard. I met them briefly. They were fun. Yeah, but like on the internet. Yeah, I prefer it that way. <laughs> like like right now they're listening and we're kind of, it's like we're hanging out in the same room. Hi mom. Hi dad. Hi Max's it mom. It was lovely dad. to see you. It's nice mm-hmm. to hear about you. So proud of you. <laughs> Finally finishing all those college courses. <laughs> <laughs> Buying that flower shop you always wanted. I, um... The one of the cooler things we did, we did a lot of cool stuff, but it was like me and my parents' stuff. Yeah. Oh, we watched. I'll save it for between the turns <laughs> because we watched some cool stuff. You nutty boy. Uh, but we went to a Jacksonville Jumbo Shrimp game, which is a minor league baseball team, and what 
confuses me. How many mascots do you suppose the Jacksonville Jumbo Shrimp have? So I'm going to pull to my own experience. Being from the Lehigh Valley, I attended many a Lehigh Valley Iron Pigs game, which I believe is the same class in baseball as the Jumbo Shrimp. Okay. And they had... They had two main mascots, Fifi and Ferris. They were both metal pigs, like okay. iron pigs, because like iron, Bethlehem. And then there were also several meat-themed mascots that would run in a race. There was a bacon, a ham. Uh, a that, I think the brewers chop. did that first, with like the brat and the sausage. They'd race. And there was like, the whole stadium was very meat-themed. Like they had meat dishes. <laughs> so there's like... That, oh god, I hope somebody from the future finds that (laughs) bit of history. But it really, like, why did society collapse? (laughs) And it's just a sense. I'm gonna find they're working on their college thesis on another planet. And they're digging through and they find Robinson. The whole stadium is pretty meat themed. It is, though. Like, there's like bacon all over everything. It's fun. Is Um, this a. A meatpacking region or slaughtering um, region? I mean, it's like farmland, so you know, some. But like, I think the whole thing is that it's like iron pigs, so like it is iron workers and pigs is that what meat. I, is iron so, pigs the thing? That's the name of like the team name. No, I know, but does that mean anything besides being the team name? Um, I mean, I would say iron because it's near Bethlehem, which was sure big iron area, and pig. I mean. I think they just needed an animal. Okay. I mean, pig, like it's not like we're hey, specifically. Hey, any of our Iron Pig town. listeners out there, let us know if Iron Pig means anything and like okay. Iron Worker slang. Back to mascots. So four meat mascots, two pigs, and they also had presidents. <laughs> like they had, they had like <laughs> they raced together. Yeah, they had human bodies and enormous heads, and they would cool. also race. And I think there were four of those. So four, eight, they two. They just mashed together two different. They're, so the Milwaukee Brewers do the sausage race, and probably the Nationals yeah. in Washington, D.C. do the President's race, and they just do them together? So, yes. I'm going to say there Literally, are... For our listeners who have not yet been, go spend drinks and food included, you and your boo, you and your boy, you and your girl, whoever you want, anybody you like, by yourself, fly, fly solo, oh, that'd be a cool way to spend a, a night... Go to whatever minor league baseball team is within an hour of you and spend like 50 bucks for two people for like good tickets and food and drink. It's worth it. I it's mean, great. Just, just the Iron Pig City Malone, like their food is all meat themed, but it is legitimately amazing. Considering, you know, it's a minor league baseball team and yeah. by the airport. Um, so I'm going to say there are six temporary or racing mascots and four like permanent all-the-time mascots. How many Jumbo Shrimp mascots are there? That that was a long... That I feel like... That was a long road. That was and a you know what's funny? Answer. I realized that question wasn't even the important question. There are two, but as you point out, that's not that unusual. Um, there were two, but they were... So you got Scampy the Shrimp. Of course. Perfectly of course. reasonable. Yeah. <laughs> what kind of creature is your other mascot? I'm not letting you... I'm not letting you talk for ten minutes. No. Can, if you wait, guess wait, 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 a dog, wait. is it a dog? It's a dog. Oh, I was gonna say, is it something that eats shrimp? Because that no, makes sense. It's, it's something that has nothing to do with shrimp. And is it shrimp, a, a real animal, animal dog? Or yeah, it's Southpaw. It's just a dog. No, it's a, a costume. 
No, real animals are fun. My college mascot, Ramsey's the Ram. They uh-huh. had the mascot costume one, but they also the, the Ram. They would spray paint school colors. Oh my god, I love a goat. Just standing there eating grass and shitting on the side <sighs> of the football field. Man, what do we do here? Um, we watched Laura Dern stuff, but I have a few more things. I'm just gonna run through these because a lot of stuff has happened to me. Um, I'm moving. I found out I have to move, so I'm doing that. Moving to a house, maybe, hopefully, fingers crossed. Um, I got a new tattoo. I also got an old tattoo covered up. The most painful tattoo I've ever gotten. It's still under Saniderm, but I'll show you. Oh, that's not the tattoo I thought. You got multiple new... I mean, this one I just got... Wow. I needed it touched up. I've had this, though. Really? It faded, kind of. Oh, yeah. And um, I went back, and he said, I'll just go over the whole thing. Let, and me, I was, let me jump in Oh, here. what's up? You're talking about the nipple windows here? No, I'm not talking about the nipple windows. So Nick has this very bright, very noticeable tattoo all over his chest between his nips. Yes. The nipple windows refer to the cutting of the tape protecting the tattoo, since it is new. Mm-hmm. It's cut out little nipples, the, half circles. The artist, Little Dave, he said he's never done that before, and now he's going to, to protect those nips. Did you request that? He no. Said, Could you cut around my nips? He was cutting, and he said, I've never thought to do this before. And I was like... So now you need a tattoo where he'll give you a full nipple oh, circle. I don't. I don't want to. I don't know if you've ever suit. gotten a tattoo close to your nipple, but it hurts. I have. Also, this all hurts. Twenty-five no, times. Stop. <laughs> well, I was. I didn't immediately recognize your tattoo, and I thought that's weird. I've hung out on the beach with Nick. I've yeah. seen him shirtless several hours on end. I realized because you wear that damn Tom Selleck speedo. <laughs> it's too distracting. <laughs> Draws the eye. It really does. <laughs> Um, I also got, you know, the little tiny steel, um, steely I had, the Grateful Dead logo. Yes. I got a real one around it and then like tie dye color in the center. It, it, it looks, looks fucking cool. It looks gross now, but it's a shame. I'll, I'll it's a shame this isn't a visual. Yeah. Medium. It's a shame this isn't a television show. <laughs> um, what else? I went to Hibachi for the first time since COVID. Oh, I Hibachi. thought you were going to say for the first time and I would have been shocked. Yeah. Knowing anything about you if you had never just somehow you know, missed that one. I've, I've put off taking in the Asian world up until last week and I said, you know what? <laughs> long enough is long enough. And I went and it was great. No, I've been many times, but it was very fun. It's my first time. I had a bunch of fun Japanese drinks, ate some Japanese food, had some delicious sushi. Great time. Uh, what else? Oh, okay. The last thing. This was going to be my big thing when we were going to record three weeks ago, and then we put it off three times. I got a massage. Oh, yeah. I got a nice massage. It was at this place right by uh, Fairmount uh, Penitentiary, Eastern State. I went in. There was a nice guy. He reminded me of a very, like, calming uncle. Like, he wasn't gay, but he was, like, queer. A kunkle. Yeah. A k- <laughs> to all the kunkles. All the, that sounds dirty. <laughs> it's not. I, I know some very good um, kunkles. What's... I think cuckold is the thing that's catching in my mind. Yeah. Good for him. There you go. He was, like, queer-coded, but he wasn't gay. Like, he was a fun, like, kind of, like an NPR kind of uncle. He, had, he was bald. He had a very soft voice. Like, he's the uncle I would go to for advice or, like, to buy weed from. Nice. So, anyway, we got in the room, and he had a, an Alexa, and he said, you can play any music you want. And that was already way too much power for me. I told him, play what you think is best, because I, I knew I would just like play billy joel songs in the attic which would have been interesting this sounds i mean i'm queer coded man who you ask for advice and for weed yeah yeah that seems like a good play 
I know, but like, so I, I didn't trust. I didn't want to play. Some beach, yeah. I didn't want to play dumb music and like ruin the experience of a yeah. relaxing massage. No, you just don't, don't want to. <laughs> I'm poisoned by irony. So yeah. I, I said like, do what you think is best. And he put on trip hop, and he started, and it was really nice. I left my underwear on because I'd never done it before. I realized I probably shouldn't have. But oh yeah, you got to take it off. Yeah, I mean, I, I, that's how you learn. He was like very respectful, and I was like covered the whole time. And I feel like at a certain point when he got to near where my underwear was, he felt it, and he was like respectful of it but i feel like without the underwear it would have just like been less yeah restricting yeah no the, take the, off all your clothes the, um, and then get on the hand job he would have given me would have been way easier without the, <laughs> no he was a very nice man and did not give me a happy ending and I, that's fine he was way too uncle so he's we started the whole massage he was like working on my chest and stuff and he was rubbing so hard like i thought my tattoos were gonna come off but it was so nice so relaxing he like cracked all my things he did my feet and i didn't even laugh i didn't i wouldn't have guessed you'd have a way too uncle i'd have guessed ah, your attraction nah. was just the, the unclear the better i mean i like to talk a big game about like john waters and alan Cumming, but like i would want them younger yeah. i wouldn't want you know could be my sorry grand. old boys sorry guys if Neil's listening, I feel like Neil is my cutoff age. <laughs> What's Neil? Like late 30s? Neil's like my age, I think. Uh, eh, yeah, that's about where I... Unless they look very young. But enough about me. Um, <laughs> oh, so he was doing massage, and then a Madonna song came on. Like one of the sexier Which ones. One? I don't remember. But it was like a very sexy, like okay. slow, like R&B Madonna kind of thing. And then he said, uh, Alexa, play spa music. He like... Very, he was very nervous and he like skipped it. And then he just looked down at me and said, I don't think that's the vibe we're going for. <laughs> and he said, I'm sure Madonna's a nice lady. And then he said, now all we need is a Prince song. And we both giggled. And then we were silent the rest of the time. Amazing. It was a great time. Great massage. <laughs> I would recommend. <laughs> really painted a picture there. I, I'd never gotten one before, but it was, it was a good time. Massages I've been rule. sitting on that story for three weeks and yeah. I'm glad it was all still there. I'm impressed that you didn't tell me all the... You told me some of that, not all the detail there. That's great. <laughs> Whew. Well, that was fun. Yeah. So, wrap it up. We're done. I didn't... Yeah, I didn't know I was supposed to prepare five things. <laughs> no, I, just, I just... I usually... I feel like it's been a big three weeks for me. So I just have a bunch of stuff. That's fair. You went, you went to Florida. That's big. It is big. I haven't left the state today. <laughs> That the government knows yeah, this about. The national debt is like $13 trillion. Let's get into Journey. That's more I than I want, make a year. I do want to talk about my movie. Okay. Because my movie, that's what we're here to do. Okay. Homeboy. So I watched, I'm probably going to say this has bumped up to one of my favorite Dern's fall time. Really? Yes. It And she isn't heavily featured I mean, more than the ones where she's in for, like, a minute, not as much as, like, she would have been in um, Wild at Heart, per se. But this movie was so good. It was Mask. The movie Mask, 1985. Okay, so Jim Carrey, he's a lame guy that likes cartoons, and he finds his wooden mask with his dog, and he puts it on, and he turns into, like, a horny wolf man with green skin. And then Laura Dern shows up. Don't think you got to just (laughs) drop the mask joke and, like, be done with it. I will be making that joke. (laughs) This entire time. Please continue. Okay, so this is not that movie. It's a movie just called Mask. It came out in 1985. And the cast of this movie is fucking stacked. You got Cher. You got Laura Dern. You got Sam Elliott. You got Estelle Getty. You got Eric Stoltz, the almost Marty McFly man. And you got other people. It was directed by some schmo who I didn't take time to write down. What was his name again? 
I wish I knew who directed The Mask. That'd be so good. Oh. Uh, his name is Peter Bogdanovich. Thank you. I was so t- taken by the cast and content of this movie that I didn't care to look up who made it. But yes, Batman made it. It won a, I believe, uh, Cher won the one of the most prestigious um, Cannes Awards for the, her part in this film. She almost won an Oscar. She did not get to win an Oscar until... Few, either a few years later or a few years before when she was in Moonstruck. Did you say cannies? I did. I'm glad you caught that. That was on purpose, by the way. That was not a, a William I... Defoe. I swear. <laughs> <laughs> that was a... I know it's con or cannies. Listeners, we've got a live poll right now. Check your devices. <laughs> Text yes to 123789. <laughs> Data rates may apply. Okay, so this movie basically has all of my interests tied into one thing. The soundtrack is almost completely Bruce Springsteen and Steely Dan. You got motorcycle culture. You got a kid with a weird face. And it's all based on a true story. What more can you want? Okay, so let's get to this kid with the weird face before we go anywhere else. All right, please. His love, name, it's all I'm going to be able to think about. His name was Rocky Dennis. He was born with a... Rocky Dentist. Roy L. Dennis. Rocky Dentist. He was that born with a name. extremely rare condition... That um, basically causes the... <laughs> Real bad case of dumb name. Rocky <laughs> Dentist. Shut up. So it basically causes all of the bones in his cranium to grow and expand, which puts a lot of pressure on the brain, eyes, spinal cord. <laughs> so you know what he needs to do. What? It, it, it especially impacts the teeth. These large, balanced teeth protruding, so you need to go. The way that your teeth get big and, like, sturdy, like rocks. Yeah, that's what happened to... You have to go to, to a uh, rocky dentist. That's what happened to Dick Van Dyke. That's why he had those giant clacking teeth. Ooh, I watched the um, Kennedy Center Honors with my parents. Yes. Oh, my God. And DVD he, took I'm one I'm so home. happy that he's still so there. And he is the... Oh, what just the joy saw, of a man. I saw a clip of him meeting the the young dancer who like did a retrospective of his work, kind of mm-hmm. like a little thing, and he like shook his hand and he was like, ha, he was like so happy to meet him. He's like, how, how long did it take you to learn all that? And the guy was like, well, I got here Monday. And he was just so like amazed that he learned all that work and in like three gave, days. There is no better smile on anyone than Dick Van Dyke. I, I just want to see, I'd pay that a nickel to pure, see that smile. Pure joy. So he was born with a condition, it's incredibly rare, like one in twenty-two million people have it, roughly. Um, it is craniodysplasia dysplania. I'm gonna say that's almost right. So basically, yeah, it causes the bones in your head to grow. It causes neurological symptoms, a lot of pain. Basically, you don't live past your teen years if you have it. And he died when he was <laughs> yes, three wishes. <laughs> Shut up. He died when he was like seventy-one, eighteen. So six at seventeen, actually. So, this all starts with the fact that he is in a motorcycle game. He is, I'm going to say, 16 at this point in the film, and um, his mom is Cher. She's, like, like an old-school motorcycle lady, and, like, she's friends with, like, a whole gang of motorcycle people, and, like, they all care about Rocky so Hold much. Hold on. Hold on. Time out. Just going to yes. say, hot. Yes. Very hot. She's also in love with Sam Elliott for most of the movie. The hottest hot. couple I've ever seen oh on Solenoid. It's crazy. But, like, it's so... I don't know late 80s Sam Elliott. I know old Sam I Elliott. Mean, I know... He, he looks like old Sam Elliott, but younger. Elliott. He I'm looks not, like, um... No, I know young, yeah. I know, like, yeah. 60s Sam Elliott and, like, Big Lebowski Sam Elliott. 
I mean, I would say it's like if you took the Big and Lebowski say, one. Whatever the mix of those, oh, yeah. I'm undoubtedly hot. Cut ten sure. years off of the Big Lebowski, Sam Elliott, roughly, and you got it. No, so I know like, how time works. I, do you? Okay. So this is insane. It's so good, right off the bat. All of these bikers just dote over him and care for him, and they're like his son. And, like, they take him to school every day and, like, protect him. They, like, if bullies make fun of him, the big dude will, like, walk over and kind of scare him. And they, like... So he's, what, in high school or something? He's in... I'm in either early high school or, like, late middle school. It's in gotcha. California. I don't really know how the grading system worked, especially in 1985, but... You don't? He goes to school. No, I don't. Believe it or not. But you um, listen to Ken Jennings' podcast. You know... Yeah, he lives in um, Washington State, near Seattle. Anyway, so he he collects baseball cards. All the bikers they like bring him cards. But he and knows try to all trade the with them. He does. He is incredibly smart. Like he he has that kind of memory where he can like hear locker numbers for like eight people and remember them all in order. Yeah, but why are we still talking about Ken Jennings? We're not talking about Ken Jennings. He also he is very smart. Sorry, sorry. Back to Stanley Ipkiss. Okay, so it's. So right off the bat, it's super cool. And, like, the bikers are taking care of everything. Cher goes to school to enroll him. They had just moved. And she is super, like, no nonsense, get through this. She's like, I've had a rough morning. She's talking to the principal who's basically trying to, like, be very slow and careful in his wording and saying, like, your son should go to a special school. And Cher is just, like, a take-no-shit biker mom. And she's like, he gets good grades. He will be fine. He's done this before, yada, yada, yada. She enrolls him in school. Um, and then we go right to the first, like, first and pretty much only doctor scene of the movie. It's, like, him getting his annual checkup for his disorder. They're, like, measuring his head, checking on the growth. And, like, he's super, like, fun and, like, riffing. And he has all these bits with all the doctors. He's just, he's such, so upbeat and fun the whole movie for a kid who is, like, Does a this actor time, have huh? this condition? No, no, no. Okay. I mean, I think, I think it would be almost impossible to find an actor with this condition. Gotcha. But yes, this actor, he looks normal. He is Eric Stoltz. He was Marty McFly for a while before they fired him from the film. Wait, yeah. oh, Eric Stoltz is the... Yeah, Eric Stoltz the is the kid? kid. Yeah. Gotcha. All right. So, yeah. <laughs> um, oh, so, uh, there's this new doctor who's, like, a part of the team. And he, like, he's taking everything very seriously because he's dealing with a dying child. And everyone else is like, yeah, he knows he's dying. It's fine. And he tries to, like, take Cher aside and be like, I want to talk to you alone. And Cher's like, he's right here. He's a person. You can talk to both of us. And he basically says, you have six to 12 months to live. And as he says it, Cher and um, Rocky both say it with him at the same time, as to say, like, they've been hearing this for years. Cher says something along the lines of, if I dug a grave every time you doctors told me he would be dead, I'd be eating chop suey in China by now. Literally the name of my favorite Cher song. Eating chop juice. No, the whole thing. If I will, if I could turn time, I'd be digging holes to China. She does have a musical number, but we'll get there. Oh, we'll get there. So they go right after this to a biker blood drive, which is crazy. They're just like in this weird, like semi-wooded field somewhere in California. There's a Red Cross blood van, and there's just a thousand bikers. And, like, you know, Rocky's, they're all friends. Rocky's talking to people, shares, like, buying drugs from the drug dealer. Um, there's this guy named Dozer. He be, he doesn't talk. Cool. Like, he is clearly either autistic or just has some sort of prohibit, prohibitation. He can't talk. He doesn't talk. He chooses not to. Whatever. 
and um, he, they're trying to get him to, there's this bit running through this whole scene where they're trying to get him into the blood trailer to give blood, but he keeps like hiding and like punching him and running away. <laughs> the whole movie, the biker culture, I feel like is very spot on, but also kind of niced up a little bit, but also still like, sure. like they're, they'll, like they have Rocky there and he's like a child and they're like, they'll do a musical number and then like someone will start a fight and like break a guitar over someone's head and then they just go back to being friends. Cool. It's really nice. Like it's, and like they don't stigmatize drug use that much. It's, it's what kind of what are they doing? They got poppers. Uh, like nah, like coke, pills, weed. I mean nothing crazy, but like there definitely becomes an arc of where Cher get starts doing drugs more because you know she's a single mom with a dying child. Fair. Um, so Sam Elliott comes in on his motorcycle. Um, he's really cool. He's a uh, very caring. He like talks. He the first... <laughs> he's a dork. He is. Sam Elliott's yeah, just kind a, of a goo. You know, Revenge of the Nerds, they look like those guys. It was originally they were going to cast Rick Moranis. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, but no. He pulls up, and at the beginning, it's kind of unclear if he is Rocky's dad. He isn't, but later we find out that he met Rocky when Rocky was, like, four, and he was with Cher, and they've been on and off for years, but, like, he's very much the father figure that Rocky has. He gets off the motorcycle and there's like, you know, every friend he's ever had is there, but the first person he goes to is Rocky. He gives him a knife. He's like talking to him. He's very personable. It's so sweet and nice. <laughs> there's like, no mention of QAnon, which no, makes it very it's... different from the real <laughs> version of this. And like, just um, like throughout the movie, there's like, this is all pulled from real life and just imagining like, you know, an actual person caring about a super disabled kid and like, you know, treating him like a person it's nice yeah. it's nice to see that yeah movie. absolutely and um at the beginning Cher is like super like she's like done with sam alley she doesn't want anything to do with him and like once he rolls up she like just starts making out with this random dude and like she starts like hooking up with guys while he first has shown up just to be like fuck you sam Hell yeah we all and, know the play you know it, it happens it's a thing uh where are we? Shares hooking up with some dudes. So, yeah, um, we learn that there's a subplot where Rocky wants to go on this European motorcycle tour, like him and his best friend. That's a thing that, like, they try to make money to do that. that Tell like, me about his best friend. Um, he's, I mean, I would say his only friend. He's just like a motorcycle punk kid, sort of. He's like with the gang a little bit. But he like lives with his mom. He's not happy. His parents are divorced. It's just kind of like. There. Yeah, I've met punks before. Now. I mean, not like a punk. He's like more of just like a straight motorcycle kid. He doesn't have much character, really. He's just right. there. They like trade base. Step it up, Bogdanovich. You gotta flesh, flesh out the friend. And they def, I'm, and they definitely like. You can tell it's the kind of thing where like they talk about this trip they know will never happen, especially considering yeah. Rocky's condition. It's but, like, like Lenny and the Rabbit. Yeah, but it's like. I don't know. He's more there, so it's kind of sadder. Like, he must know to a degree that this will never happen, and they still talk about it. And the friend is like... It comes up that the friend was kind of shitty for, like, talking about it so much, like, goading him all. Like, oh, yeah, we'll do this, we'll do that, so on and so forth. Aww. Like, it wasn't a fantasy. It was like they were really planning it, and, like... It, it becomes a, a trouble point later on. Um... So, he goes to school, like... The first class he's in, they, like, introduce him and nobody says anything. And then he cracks a little joke and everyone laughs. And he immediately starts making friends because he's a very he's nice person. Cool. And he, like, he starts, he, like, makes friends with this one, like, teen couple, like, a guy and a girl. And he, like, starts tutoring him and, like, he's friends with the girl. And he, like, you know. Wait, who tutors whom? Uh, Rocky tutors him. Rocky is incredibly smart. He knows, like, he just right. memorizes books. He knows facts. He just, like, hears numbers and remembers them. 
So he starts tutoring people for like three bucks so an he's hour. Like, he's like uh, Rain Man, but cool. Exactly. He's like Rain Man, but with a giant head. <laughs> and, and also cool. And the reoccurring thing in the movie is that people ask him to take off his mask, and that's why it's called mask, because people uh, think he's... I was assuming an actual mask would show up. And then he'll be... He'll, sometimes he jokes, like, like oh, I'll try to take it off, but I don't know if it will another time. One time he p- pushed a kid against a locker, and he said, I'll take my mask off when you take yours off. Okay, now, now that you've seen this film, do you think this kid could have pulled off McFly? With or without the head? Without the head. <laughs> I mean, there are there are set pictures of him with Doc Brown. Like, I know, but how do you, as... Okay, now you've seen the guy who's only known for the fact that he, they filmed half of Back to the Future with him, and then we're I like, mean, eh, we're gonna go with a different kid. The issue is, this is the only movie I think I've seen him in. Well, he's good. I mean, that's... Like, I can't... You can't even... I don't... I think because the prosthetic is so large, it affected his voice. Like, I don't think I can really imagine him. But I know he was in other stuff. Like, I want to watch something else now and see if he would have been good. But also, like, I feel like Marty McFly is just so Michael J. Fox culturally that, like, it'd be so hard to imagine, like, you know, Do you think he still holds that resentment? That is... Oh, I'm sure. That is a very unique position to be in. I mean, you got robbed of... There is nobody who's had Essentially a lifelong paycheck, three-movie deal, like... Like mega fame, yeah. But also Parkinson's. Also, yeah, so I mean, he would have gotten Parkinson's if he kept filming that series. That's absolutely true. I, I've read metaphysics books before. <laughs> oh. I support Madame Blavatsky. So uh, Cher is starting to show some problems with her drug use. She's, you know, she's. She's upset because Sam Elliott is back in her life, so she's, like, you know, kind of, like, hitting a little harder, just going out every night, hanging out with dudes. Rocky tries to read her a poem, and she's, like, not really listening. He, like, starts breaking glasses because he's upset, and she tears one of his baseball cards. And then, like... You're not gonna remember who it was. Who was it? Who was what? I'm on the baseball card, Nick! There are a lot of baseball cards mentioned in this movie. I'm sorry, I did not... Give me the... He collects baseball cards. I think... Like the you ni- weren't even going to tell me I that. I think like the 1955 LA Dot. He has like a lineup of Dodgers that he has like the baseball field and he's pinning okay. the whole he's like field. He's got like Duke Snyder. He's yeah. got Pee Wee Reese. That, that, mention- that name maybe, is mentioned. Yes. Maybe Koufax? Maybe mm, pre-Koufax? I'm going to say maybe. You can watch it. It's a great movie and I suggest you do. But um, so they have this storming fight. She goes out with some dude. They come back and like he's in incredible pain in his bed. Like his head growing condition. And uh, the next day, they kind of have, like, a mother-son talk, and she's like, I'm going to lay off the drugs. They apologize to each other. And then they go to the carnival. And, like, she comes, and Sam Elliott is there, and, like, we start to really see Sam Elliott as, like, a very nice father figure. Like, he's taking care of Rocky, making sure... Like, this, uh, one of the ticket takers for the bumper car said, like, I won't take tickets from, a." Uh, he might have called him, like, a retard or something, like, so I don't have to be responsible for what happens to you. And Sam Elliott is just, like, you know, he's a beefy biker guy. He's like, you'll take the tickets, son, and, or I won't be responsible what happens to you. Ooh. And, like, they're on the bumper cars. Like, all the all the lady bikers are kind of just, like, watching their men play bumper. So this is the beginning of Cher and Sam Elliott. Yeah, like, it, it happens at the carnival. Like, yeah. they, like, he, she we'll makes... ride. Uh, bumper cars. We'll, wait, we'll get to when they get together, but... So she's watching Rocky, and they smile at each other, and then she's walking, watching Sam, and they smile at each other, and it's really sweet. And then they go into, like, the Hall of Mirrors-Haunted House, like, spook house kind of deal. And, um... You can't call that anymore. Stop. So they're... 
<laughs> Shut up. So they're in there and they're like going through the Hall of Mirrors and stuff. And like Sam Ellie grabs Cher and they like kiss. And she was out talking to the drug dealer, but she didn't buy any because she made a promise. And she went in and he was like, like, what did you get at the lemonade stand? She's like, nothing. And he was like, oh, I appreciate that you're doing better. And then um, they kiss a little bit. They're definitely like from here on out, they are together. And then Rocky is in the Hall of Mirrors and he stops all of a sudden in front of a mirror. And he's like feeling his face. and He says, get my mom to his friend. And they get her, and, like, it's the mirror that makes his face look normal. Uh, But also, you can tell from the shot that it's just his regular face with less prosthetic, but still filmed in a carnival mirror, and it's really creepy. uh, Seeing, like, his normal face centered in, like, the weird Rocky-shaped face. But, uh, yeah, it starts to go pretty well after here. Um, they, They have a musical number. They sing a song called Little Egypt. It's like a, it's a very like share story song about like a, a like a belly dancer carnival performer named Little Egypt. Ah, uh, okay. And it has a beat that sounds familiar. Like the, some of the lyrics sound familiar. I don't know if it's part of like a folk song or something. But it's very fun. They like they're in like a fu- a fiery circle in the middle of nowhere. Nick's doing a walk like an Egyptian yes, walk. Yes, him and her, him and her son are like doing it together, and she's kind of like he rubbing on Sam Elliott. I love walk. I love the bangles. I love They're that my song. favorite That's accessory and song. Absolute, like, top five favorite 80s songs. <laughs> Great. Um, so everything's going really well, seemingly. Sam Elliott and uh, Cher are getting together. The... He's still doing the Egyptian. <laughs> Shut up. So uh, he's, like, he's kind of cool with his friends, but he's starting to feel these things, like he wants to date a girl and stuff like this. And he's, like, sitting there, and the principal from the beginning, who is kind of, like, skeptical, is now, like, he likes Rocky a lot, and he realizes, oh, you're a normal person. And he says, I want you to work at this camp my friend runs. It's blind kids. You would be, like, a camper's assistant. Oh. And we'll get there. That's okay. where Laura Dern comes in. So uh, this comes up, and he's like, ah, I should stay and watch my mom. You know, she's sort of a drug addict. She, he doesn't say that, but we know that. Um, at one point, he also leaves, like, Narcanic Anonymous flyers all over the house. And that's one of the things she yells at him about when they have their big blowout baseball card ripping fight. Gotcha. Uh, next scene, we see them like in the kitchen and Rocky's talking to Cher and he's like, what would you think of me if you were a girl? Which is such a funny, like, young boy yeah, thing to, to say his to his mom. mom. <laughs> <laughs> and she's just like, well, <laughs> she looks at she like goes past that and she's like, well, I don't know. I always like guys with red hair. <laughs> Because, yeah, it's, he's yeah. a ginger. It was, it was a funny little bit. That's cute. Like, a very, like, mother-son kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and then, like, after this, Cher is obviously, like, very stressed. So she goes out and scores some drugs. She goes to this biker bar. And uh, then she does what any loving mother would do for their son. Uh, she buys him a prostitute. Oh. Who is played by... Um, Cameron Diaz. I believe it's Kelly Jo Minter. She was like a big 70s, 80s, act, 80s actress. She was in like um, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street 5. She was she was in a bunch of like 70s, 80s movies as like African-American talent of one type or another. Like, And when she came up, like I n- noticed her very clearly and I was like, oh, it's her. Okay. But anyway, obviously they don't have sex. They just talk all night basically and like about all this different stuff. She t- tells them about her life he tells her about her life they joke they have fun and uh, i feel like i've seen several movies where uh, a teenage boy who has some I mean, sort of terminal illness didn't that happen and didn't he yeah. fuck a prostitute uh billy grier yeah i don't does he have sex with the prostitute I don't though know. i feel Probably. like he just talks to her any and because he's an old man trapped in a little boy's body 
Uh, and then uh, she goes she goes to bed and she, Sam's there and he's like they're t- they talk about it and he's like so what'd you get with the 40 bucks you swiped from my jeans and she's like oh I got something for Rocky and he's like well I hope you enjoyed it like kind of implying that she got drugs which she did yeah. and she, he's he says something along the lines of like I've grown up since then as far as like you know just scoring drugs every night and being like a party biker dude and that's where like things start to definitely unwind a bit as far as like her use in the movie and all that mm-hmm but, you know, it's still kind of sweet. Like, she kind of says, like, you want to, like, get out her stuff and trade. And if they laugh about it, it's like, you know, still a little cute. But it's starting to, you know, you can tell it's starting to be, like, a problem. And Sam Elliott sees it and Cher knows well, it. And Rocky and obviously Rocky, knows it. Yeah. Um, where are we? So, Rocky graduates. Um, he graduates. Uh, he doesn't want to go. He's like, I'll be the weird kid there. And Sam is like. He's on the porch and he's being kind of gruff. He's like, go get me another beer. And he's like, a little bit of a dick. And Rocky's like, what? And he's like, you heard me. Go get me a beer. And he opens the fridge and there's a really nice suit hanging in the fridge that like all the bikers chipped in to buy for him. Aww. And it's so sweet. And they go to the graduation and um, every, the, the biker group, it's like all, you know, normal, like dumb looking 80s parents and the big biker gang in the middle. And Rocky just goes up and he wins like every academic award. It's really great. Um, he sees, like, his lady friend from school, and she, like, vows to have a great summer, and it's, like, sweet. He's, like, a normal kid. And, uh, Dozer, who, as I mentioned, does not speak at all, he, like, grabs him by the shoulders and struggles through saying, Rocky, I'm very proud of you, and it's like, I cried a little. Like, I didn't cry for the rest of the movie, but, like, when that happened, I was like, oh, Dozer. He's just such a sweet, like, enormous man, and he, like... By the way, listeners, yeah. if you haven't already, go look at what this kid looks like, because I just saw Oh, did it. you look at the real picture or the movie picture? The movie picture. Because the real picture is different, but um, not... It's such a funny prosthetic. Yeah, oh, like... it's impressive, but I it's mean, like just... The only parts that are not covered by a prosthetic are his eyes, mm-hmm. just around his eyes, about a quarter half an inch quarter inch to a half an inch around the eyeballs and his mouth and it's same thing it's not it's a pretty good prosthetic but it definitely is a little lack and it's like pimply as all hell yeah i think they might be um i mean some pimples but some like freckles too because he is a yeah ginger. but like the real his real face was a lot more like it was in a way that you could have not made prosthetics like his eyes were a lot further apart and stuff like that that is correct. And there's actually, we'll get there, but there's a scene in the movie where they, they do with mirrors, though. You get real good with mirrors. There is, there's a scene where um they take. That a, dude looks cool. I'll be honest. Is it the black Ro- and white picture Royal of him Dennis? with the lady? Wait, it's what just, are you talking I think it's about? Just him. Oh, that's the one with him. And the lady. Um, there's a scene in the movie where they take that picture. Like it's him. That's and a Laura. real picture. Yeah, this dude's. But no, like they, there's a scene where he, he's with Laura Dern, like at the summer camp, and this lady comes with a camera and says, "Smile," and that's the pic. Like the picture I will put in the Instagram is that photo. Cool. Uh, I don't even know. Oh, I found it. I see that one. Um, so his grandparents show up because he just graduated, and you know, like the house is starting to come together. Sam Elliott's back, and like he's the like they he runs out, shares like in the bathroom, and Sam Elliott is talking to her, and I was like, you, she's about to take drugs, and he's like, you want to play this one straight. It becomes very apparent that her and her dad kind of butt heads immediately and all the time. So, like, her grandparents come in, her grandma, his grandma is played by Estelle Getty, the golden girl. The grandpa is just some old dude. Um, I didn't look up who it was. He's kind of a dick, so I don't really care. Um, they come in, and, like, the first person they see is Sam Elliott, and, like, they're very happy to see him. Clearly, he's been a part of their lives for a while, and they're like, they, like, you know, shake hands, kiss Estelle Getty on the cheek. 
And, like, um, the grandfather's already, like, kind of judgy. Like, there were some beer cans on the lawn. He's, like, looking around, just, like, looking for something to talk about. Wait. Are there his beer cans on the lawn? Who? The granddad. No, no, no. It, they go to the house that Cher lives in with oh, Sam. Oh, at Cher's yeah. house. And, like, oh, cause, he's being, beer cans I mean, on the lawn. Like I mean, three of them, like, in the bushes. But, <laughs> and, you know, the house is a little, because they, they're party bikers. But also, like, Cher's yeah. kind of unwinding at this point. And, like, he's, he is being a nice grandfather. Like, he goes into Rocky's bedroom and gives him, like, a baseball card that he's missing for his lineup. And he, yeah. he gives him, like, tickets to the ball game and all this. But then, like, they sit down for a minute and Cher comes out. Like, she waits a little bit. And he immediately just starts, like, making fun of her for not working, like, normal jobs and, like, all this stuff. And they just, like, butt heads about all this stuff really quick. And then they leave. And when they come back, she's, like, completely wasted. Like, loaded on whatever. And, uh... They like she doesn't say a word to her dad, but they have like a confrontation where he like she throws a baseball at him and he throws it back and then she tries to throw it harder but she can't because she's like smacked out on something and they leave and like let's be real Cher definitely can't throw a baseball oh, very well she's Cher she doesn't do that <laughs> she doesn't do that she they what prob- if she does what if she can rip like a seventy oh, mile an hour I would love imagine she threw a pit, an opening pitch at a game and just fucking like she probably we can probably find validate this one way or the other we will we will do this. we will inquire so um Rocky basically says like you know what what you're gonna take care of yourself for a change I'm going to the camp so he goes to the camp um there's not really much to say he immediately becomes popular all the kids are blind so they can't really make fun of him he meets Laura Dern and he's like you're so beautiful and they go. She rides horses. And I gotta say, Dern is so cute in this movie. I mean, she is, like, it's definitely our one of our younger Derns, but starting to get a little older, like, more into, like, Laura Dern face and stuff that we yeah, know. Yeah, she's probably, like, 19 or something, yeah. would be my guess. Oh, yeah. I would say around there. She's cute as a And, um, so, you know, they start to be friends. Um, at one point, she's like, let me feel your face. Don't be a chicken. And she feels it. And, you know, she's not freaked out. Because she's a good person. She's like, it's just different. That's okay. I'm different too. I'm blind. And at one point, they're on a horse ride, like all a big group of campers, and she he's trying to explain colors to her, and she says, I don't get it. So later, they're in the kitchen, and he's like giving her all these different like temperature and textured objects to try to explain color, and she's like getting it. Like He gives her something really cold, and she, he's like, this is what blue is like, and then something that's a little cold, and this is green, something that's hot, this is red. When it cools down, this is pink. He gives her like cotton balls and said, this is billowy, because she was trying to explain clouds to Aww. her earlier. And like it's very like miracle worker, like really sweet, such yeah. a cute thing. Like He was trying so hard to just like help this nice lady. And then there's like a New Year's Eve and July dance, and they kiss, and it's his. you can only assume it's his first kiss. And um, it's just so nice. And uh, at one point, we kind of cut away to home where Cher is, like, doing very bad. Like, she can't even write a letter to her son, and she calls him Ellie, and he comes and helps her. And, the, you know, it's a bummer. But she goes. it goes up from there. When they come to pick him up, it's, like, all the bikers in a pickup truck and Cher, and she's clean as a whistle, as she says. She's off the stuff. And she looks really nice, and her and Sam Elliott are very happy. And, um... Uh, Rocky meets Laura's parents and they're visibly freaked out by the fact that their daughter's boyfriend is, you know. Um, oh. Can they? they yes, are they blind. are. They are. They are sight. visibly. So and like it goes by like some time passes and like every time he calls for the first few weeks, like they won't let her talk to him. They're always like, "Oh, she's busy," because you know, white parents and monster children. Not that Rocky was a monster, but you know, he he had a good humor about this. 
fuck, I don't even know where to go next. Yeah, now what happens? Wow, there's so much. Do him and Dern bang? Him and Dern do not bang what? that we know of. But this is also oh, just a banged. movie. They, they banged. Wonder if his uh his thing was bigger too. Probably. Good for him. Um, wait, were his ears bigger? Mm, I don't know. I don't think you can really see them. Anyway, so we find out that his only friend is leaving. He's like going to live with his dad in Chicago and get a job and drop out of school. And uh, Rocky is super mad. He's like, what about our trip? All this stuff you promised me, yada, yada, yada. He like throws a bunch of baseball cards at him and he just says, leave. And Cher's like a little worried, like, Rocky, calm down. I wish someone would throw baseball cards at me and tell me to leave. So his friend leaves. We never see him again. He, he just, he really just seemed, it seemed like they needed a friend for him. Yeah. And it was, it just filled that role. It came and went. It was whatever. Um, he's like, get, he has like a pissed off stretch for, there's a few scenes where he's just like mad. Who, Rocky? Yeah. Cause of that. And like Laura Dern's parents won't let him talk to her. What and all does this he stuff. have to be mad about? I mean, he is chronically ill that's that's i mean considering how well-hearted he was anyway um one of the older bikers dies like i forget his name but he was like the old smoky yeah something like that smoky he was like an old like thing. like a grandpa looking guy and he was he had like a biker wife and he was very sweet he was always very nice yeah working. life got smoky he dies and like they have this scene with the funeral and they're like it's his casket and they lower his motorcycle in next to the casket and they all like throw stuff like little patches and like doodads in for him and they're like I think what they, Sam Elliott says, may the wind always be on your face and the breath of a beautiful woman on your back or something like that. And it's like a, it's very, a very cool biker wedding. They do a 21 Imagine gun salute. Imagine being a tenth as cool as Sam Elliott. I could not They do a 21 gun salute, but it's one guy with a revolver and he shoots six times and he's like, wait a minute, Smokey. <laughs> <laughs> like, he, he keeps doing that like in the background. It's like. Does it do the actually do 21? Yeah, he does Amazing. 21, but it takes a while. Um, Rocky's kind of like sitting on a curb. Uh, Cher goes up to him and says something along the lines of, "Do you want to throw something in for Rocky? Do you want to uh, for a? Uh, I'm just gonna call him Smokey. Yeah, I do. Smokey. I do think was that was his for name. Something though. like that. And he's like, "No, I don't want to say goodbye." And he th- then he says something like, "But now he's like everywhere. Like when you die, you're part of everything, and so on and so forth." It's a good thing to think about when you're on your deathbed, basically. Uh, he and one it shows him taking all of his money that he had saved for the Europe trip. And he, like, kind of walks out into the living room and Sam Elliott and Cher are like, hey, what's up? And he's like, I gotta go do a thing. And they're like, what is it? And he's like, it's just a thing I gotta do. So he gets on a bus. He goes to the horse place where Laura Dern, like, lives. Like, the one she goes to regularly back at home. And they, like, hang out. They talk. They basically have a goodbye. It becomes very clear that he's gonna die soon. Yeah. And, like, they say, she's like, I'm going to school far away. And he's like, well, we'll always have the memories of being on the beach and, like, camp and all that. It's kind of sad. They, like, say goodbye. And, uh... They're having, like, another, uh, the usual, like, party at their house. Sam Elliott's there, Cher's there. One of the people is like, hey, Cher, Sam, uh, Rocky, why don't you do your Egyptian dance? And Rocky's like, oh, I'm kind of tired. I don't really want to do it. And they're like, come on. And he's like, nah. And he, like, gets up, and he's going to bed. He, like, says goodnight to Cher. He, like, t- does, like, a little thing with Sam Elliott. And he, like, goes into his room and makes a long eye contact with Cher and then goes into bed. And he's, like, looking over all his possessions, like, his baseball cards, like, straightens one out. He goes over to, they had a little pin map of everywhere in Europe they were gonna go, and he, like, takes all the pins off and sets them aside, and then he lays down in bed, and, uh, yeah. He died. So it's the next morning, and, like, Sam Elliott is saying goodbye to Cher. Like, oh, I gotta go do this thing, I'll be right back. And then the song Ripple by the Grateful Dead comes on the radio, Ah. which... 
really capped off how much... <laughs> Which it, recording? <laughs> it was just, you know, the uh, American Beauty, but still. So that caps off how made for me this movie was, that it was like all Bruce Springsteen, some Steely Dan, and then this is the capper. Hell yeah. And Ripple comes on and like she gets a phone call from the school like, oh, Rocky never came in today. And she's like, of course he did. And then she hangs up and she immediately knows. But she goes into instant denial and she like goes into his room and he's lying there clearly dead. And she like opens the curtains and she's just talking to him like he's alive. And he's like, she's like, you're not going to get a scholarship sleeping in like this. She feels his forehead is like, oh, you're cold. That's because you don't have your comforter on. And then she starts yelling and she's like, don't play this game with me. And then she kind of like accepts it. And she like, she goes out into the living room. She goes into like both of her old stash places, which are now empty. And she just like, she takes the, it's like a little mailbox thing. She opens it and it's empty. She slams it against the wall and like breaks the chandelier. She has this little barrel where she used to keep stuff and it's empty. And she just breaks the, like the china cabinet and breaks all this stuff. And then she just like cries over him. Fuck. And uh, then we cut to. Hell yeah, sure. It's like, it's. I'm I'm not surprised she won a prestigious Best Actress Award for this. Yeah. It then pretty I've, much... I've heard about her performance in this. It's... Like, it's... I've seen a lot of Cher movies, and this is, like, the only, like, you know, sad one. Like, Moonstruck is goofy, and uh, Witches of Eastwick is funny. Like, this is just, you know... There's some funny bits, but it's definitely a over... You know it ends yeah. with a dead kid, so it's a sad yeah. movie. Yeah. So it, we cut ahead a little bit. Um, it's clearly a little time later. Rocky is buried in a cemetery. There, it's Sharon Sam Elliott, and they're taking um Dozer to uh like leave some flower. He had like a big bouquet of flowers that he clearly like either got or picked himself, and then he like lays out all these cards for Rocky, and like Cher is off, kind of wandering and looking out at the freeway, and you hear Rocky reading the poem that he read to her earlier in the movie in her head, and then he she says like quietly to herself like Now you can go anywhere you like, Rock, and then. We fade out, and that's the movie. And my God, is it a good movie. Like, I knew it was going to be good, and then I watched it, and I was like, damn. <laughs> Sounds fucking great. I, it's, like, it's heartbreaking. It's really good. Damn There's it. so much like, going I on. I hate how much you overshadowed my movie. <laughs> mine was solid. Mine, yeah. Mine's good. I'm excited to talk about mine, but... I think that trumps it. That sounds fucking great. Like, legitimately, this is probably my number one Dern. Wow. And it's not even that Dern heavy. It's just the whole, the movie as a whole is so good. Yeah. But yeah. I don't know if you could put a one without that much Dern that high. Can you give it without that much Dern the number one spot? You know what I just realized? We're probably going to be doing something else by the time that the new Jurassic World movie comes out. So we're gonna have to go back into the archive and make a new Dern. We got a ways to go. I don't know. That's like June. That is like Nikki, two by years. By some metrics, yeah. If, if we really, if we really want to do right by these shows that we are yet to watch, hell, we got. We till. could do this for another year. Yeah, you can do this till twenty twenty seven. So that's, uh, yeah. I ain't gonna rush him. That's I all know. I gotta that's say. Not... Well, Max. What's between your turns? Not to rush. I know you hate being rushed, but what's between your turns? Good question. Let's let's breathe. Let's breathe. Let's take a moment. That sounded fucking good. So um, did you pause it? No. Oh. <laughs> that sounded fucking. Did you pause it now? 
No. Okay. I well, just... I'm not pausing it. I'm just... Oh, I'm... okay. You said you wanted to take a breather, and then you, you click something, and then you said, that sounded fucking good. And I, was I like, know. Oh. Yeah, man. Um, take your time. Yeah. We haven't done this in three I weeks. We slow down from. We can record six hours and no one will care. <laughs> <laughs> the one person that Give listens to Give them what they these. want. <laughs> um, the mega episodes. So what's between my turns is... One, I watched with my parents a movie on Netflix. Do you know... You know the actor... Um, Kurt Russell. Yes. Yes, I do. Do you know who his father was? <sighs> Is his last name also Russell? Yeah. Uh, I want to say I do, but the name is escaping me right now. He's not a tenth as big as Kurt Russell. Oh, okay. But he was an actor. Bing Russell. That's Bing his name. Russell. Bing Russell. He was like a bonanza character actor. He was in the game a while. He was pretty solid. He did some theater. Okay. Um, and he had a love of baseball. And he did good for himself. He was on fucking on bonanza and shit. <laughs> so he, he had some scratch. He had some influence. And he, he had made like baseball films from like instructional films like a short five minute like baseball footage film of like mechanics of baseball all from him kind of learning on his own just like self-interested learn love baseball and just learning about it and he bought a or he started rather a minor league baseball team in portland and Kurt Russell was on the team. He was the DH. He must have been in his early 20s or something. This is in 1973 to 19... I won't, I won't spoil it. No, starting in 1973, he starts a minor league baseball team. And it's a documentary with... It's Kurt Russell is heavily in it and a bunch of the players from this baseball team... And they're like a rogue baseball team. By the way, I'll give the name now. It's on Netflix. The Battered Bastards of Baseball. And they what makes them especially interesting, they he were literally the only team at their level of class A. So sort of low minor leagues, but real minor leagues nonetheless. Mm-hmm. Um Literally the only team at this point that was independent of any major league team had no affiliation. And that used to be how it was. It's almost like the number of breweries. Um, That used to be how it was, and in the 70s there were none. So it was kind of this rogue... It's a cool story. Very cool. It's a movie. I I remember seeing the art for it. Like When it first dropped, it was like in my suggested. I was like, oh, but I... I saw, like, the little clip that came with it. I am. I do need to check that out. Yeah. Especially now that I have that background. And let it be known, listeners, if you're unfamiliar, Nick hates sports. Nick I don't do give not about baseball, hate sports. But is, is rightly excited for this movie. You don't need to love baseball to love this movie. But if you love baseball, this movie's still great. I'll have you know, the other night I was at a bar and I watched a basketball game. Ooh. 
Yeah, it was the one Philadelphia 76ers. It was. It was them versus Logan Paul. Yep. And Floyd Mayweather, both of them blindfolded. It was a fun game. No, it was one of the playoff games, maybe like three weeks ago. I got off from work early, and I I park right by yard, so I was like, I'll go in, just have a drink. I have time to kill. I got a big tip. And the game was on, and then I watched it for a while. I was like, man, basketball's good. I'm into this. Yeah, that's cool. I haven't I haven't seen a lick. I've been a bad basketball fan. I know the Sixers You're just... You're a naughty, naughty boy. Won a big game. Did Are they still in? I really I don't so. keep up. I believe they are. I saw that and I was like, I'm going to keep up, and then I haven't thought about the it The listeners since. know better than us. Yeah. Listeners, write in. Let us know. How are the Sixers doing? Yeah, how are they doing in your neck of the woods? <laughs> <sighs> um, Anything else up in there? Yeah, I'm reading... I'm a good chunk of the way through a classic... A modern classic text that I had never read. Um, Tom Wolfe's Bonfire of the Vanities. Oh, Do you know this book? You've mentioned it before. I have not, but you were with me when I bought it. Oh, that's what it was. I, I know, like, I've seen you and the yes. book together, so. Yeah. And I think I put it on my card. Or, no, I put Tyler's books on my card. I have a rewards card at that bookstore that we went to, listeners. You son of a bitch. Yeah, I think I have a free book I now, actually. You've gotten rewarded for this? Yeah. I mean, you gotta buy like 12 before you get a free one, but I'm not. I'll do there. it. I'll fucking do it. Um, Bonfire of the Vanities, 80s, uh, Bond Trader World. Very. Okay. Very critique of New York money class, but a look at kind of some of the mechanisms. You've got a, the assistant district attorney and his story and all he wants to do is fuck the hot juror and things like that. It's good. It's a strong critique. It's got American Psycho vibes, but more grounded in reality. Nice. Um so far recommend good so that's what i got i'm still on my stephen king book but i've also just been busy and moving so i'll get there no rush yeah Um, hurry up i got a few movies right after we recorded last time i went and saw spiral at a drive-in theater that is the newest the newest chris rock directed installment in the saw franchise and it was pretty good it was nice to see a black saw movie essentially because almost every saw movie was made by not a person of color I know one of the original creators was Asian, but, you know, wasn't made by, like, American people of color. That's to say, black people. Anyway, it was really funny. It, it opens with a straight-up verbatim Chris Rock stand-up bit. He's like, like someone saying? No, it's him. Character. He's, like, doing a bit that I, oh, okay. I've never heard in his stand-up, but I'm sure. He's talking about Forrest Gump. Mm. And I forget exactly what it was, but he's just like, Forrest Gump, he was the nicest man, and Jenny gave him AIDS. His two friends were a... Bubba. A a word for Bubba that he can say, but I can't, and a guy with no legs. (laughs) It's just this, like, little 30-second stand-up bit about Forrest Gump, which I had just watched, like, two nights before, completely coincidentally. It was very fun. And it was a really neat movie. Um, The vibe of it was, like, a... I don't want to give... Skip ahead 30 seconds if you don't want to hear it. The vibe of it was like a, a cop who witnessed police corruption and then took up the mantle of Jigsaw and decided to take in corrupt cops and like put them in traps and kill them. 
and he's Chris Rock's new, new partner, and he, like, t- brings him in and says, like, I want you to bring me the corrupt cops and I will kill them. And he was basically like, this is how I want to work Wait, the system. Wait, I don't want to hear it. Oh, sorry. I didn't know if you cared. <laughs> no, I don't care. But yeah, Thank so, like, the, the whole thing is, like, a cop killing up killing all the corrupt cops to make the city clean like as a idea in like now times and i was like that's interesting i mean you know he gets away so there's room for a sequel cool also uh wait but he's the bad guy but he's the secret bad guy i mean he's the he is saw so like he is the the bad guy in the story no 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 his partner is the his partner saw fill in and like bad guy but also if the way you look at it depends like morally it's almost the right thing but also he's still like killing people and yeah. doing these traps he also kills um chris rock's dad in this movie samuel jackson nice yeah but there's it's a lot of like really solid like you know jigsawy cop shit it's fun Very cool. um i watched the graduate again recently for the first time in a bunch of years it was really good i feel like i got more out of it this time it's a cool movie yeah i only saw it relatively recently five years ago but like, like that. i feel like the first time i saw it i was in like maybe high school so like i have been through yeah, a lot since I then and i that, get it more that chapter What's i remember it? being on my radar it's good yeah. i mean it's a beautiful soundtrack the visuals like all the what's happening like the idea of like getting out of college and not knowing what to do with yourself and like your parents just being like oblivious to what you're going through in certain stages in your life it's interesting and finally, I watched Atlantis for the first time in a long time. One of my... What's li- Atlantis? I think the full title is Atlantis, The Lost Empire. It is an older Disney... Not older, but like... It came out when I was very young. It's a Disney film about a character named Milo Thatch. It takes place right around the turn of the century, like 1913 or so. And he wants to discover Atlantis. And his grandfather's like best friend funds this enormous beautiful machinery expedition to find Atlantis. Like, there's, there's all these characters and when people. When was this made? I couldn't tell you. 50s? A, no, the movie's from, like, the 2000s. Oh. Uh, it's like, older in the sense that that is now 20 years ago. But, like, uh, it, it came out right around when I was very young, and I was very into it as a kid. Just, like, the visuals. It's, like, exploring stuff and, like, lost worlds and all this. And now watching it now, I'm so fascinated by all of the old-timey jokes and dialogue. It's, like, very very in line with the fact that I love, like, every joke in The Simpsons about Mr. Burns being so old. Like, <laughs> social security number. Ought, 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 one. Damn, Ro- <laughs> no, ought, 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 two. Damn, Roosevelt. Like, that kind of joke, like, super heavy and, like, all the weird, like, early 1900 cultural references that they worked in. That clearly are not for kids, but, like, now as an adult, I appreciate. So good. But, yeah, it's such a good movie. I would definitely suggest it. It's on right. Disney+. Plus. Have you ever fun. read... 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. I have not read a single... I was going to say, I have not read Jules Verne. I know if the any vibes of, them, of it, but... Pick one up. I should. You can handle but it. But, like, it's, like, if you... Even just looking You'll at pictures fun. from Atlantis, like, the ship, the main ship they start in is just straight a Jules Verne thing, and it is so... Yeah. I think they even talk... They even mention him offhandedly at one point. Like, have you read Jules Verne, kid? Because this is yeah. that. Like, it's something like that. There's an old Prospector Cook character. It's so fun. I cannot exaggerate how good this movie is as an adult now. And that's what's between my derns. That's three weeks of derns splooshed out right there for you. All over the mic. Let me wipe off this mic. There's so much dern splooge. Don't rub the mic. It's gonna rub. If you could see what the line did. Look at the line. It's called a waveform. Plebeians. It's called the quadratic formula, dumbass. (laughs) 
can read a book. Check it. <sighs> oh, Max. My I feel God. like we're going a mile a minute. I, I was going. I feel like I was pretty hyped up for all that. You were. What can you say? I've been holding it in. All right, now like let's actually pause. Like a dog's anal glands. We'll be right back. Looking for some fun toys to put in your pooper? AdamandEve.com. Type in a sponsor code DERNAFTER at checkout for a 20% off and five tantalizing free gifts with your purchase. How do we renegotiate the sponsor code? Um, well, first of all, we have to get one, so... Don't tell them it's not Wait, real. Oh, no. This is our end. Adam and Eve is pretty cool. They sponsor we said, we, us. Well, we no, should... that's what you do. Oh, if you want to be a savvy, if you're a hashtag rise and grind hustler, and you want to make it, no, I'm serious. If you want to fucking corporate climb in the marketing game, do that. Just do a promo code to a company that you know has lots of promo codes, so they like check that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. They'll be able to see through their analytics, hopefully, one, even if it isn't one that they asked for, that people like filled it in. And so you make the ad and then you get them revenue and then you tell them, you say, look at this code. Talk, you'd be like, I want to talk to your analytics team. Look at hashtag Dern after. We got to talk about this hashtag, boys. <laughs> and you pretend you're already a customer. Damn, that's so if you want you're in. You want a giant rubber fist. Code Dern after. AdamandEve.com. Check out AdamandEve. Fun stuff, dude. All your Put giant your rubber fist needs. You want a sex swing? Or you want to swing for fun? Either way, AdamandEve.com. <laughs> Dern after. Why they gotta be sex swings? Those I said look sex so swings fun. or No, I know. Just I'm swings. saying about life. I'm saying about culture. I'm not saying Nick. I'm saying world, people, listener. Why they gotta be sex swings? What if you just want to cuddle okay, up as long there? As it's a consent swing. That's all we care about here at Dern. That's true. Well, we care about a lot of things. Yeah. But consent's absolutely yeah. one of them. It's up there. Um, so, what's your movie? What's up? Little Dern, let's my go. My movie. Another. This might be. Judging from how you felt about your film, I would wager off the cuff that this will be our collective highest rated combo total feelings about our movies okay my movie doesn't get the number one spot but it it hits the top 10 for sure uh and this is 99 homes a film from 2014 directed by ramin barani and it stars a couple people you may know one of them being andrew garfield ah i love garfield my favorite cat president. <laughs> that's a good... Oh, I want to make a whole trivia that's just questions like that. Like, who's the best cat president? And the answer is Garfield, because it has to be. Huh. And it's like where it's not real. That's oh, not, I like that. If I were better at thinking of those. And, uh... Garfield. Garfield. Andrew Garfield, yes. who you may know is Spider-Man. From one of the Spider-Man I've not seen. I cannot speak to him as a Spider-Man. Perhaps you could. Um, I think I saw one of them. He was a Spider-Man. I think he was only for like one movie. So there you go. And apparently was that the good guy we liked in the social network. Yes. The sort of the one he sort of stole it from. Um, That guy, Andrew Garfield. 
He is a Floridian. Ew. He sorry. <laughs> is a father of a son named Connor. And he lives with a woman who at first glance what I thought was his wife, is in fact his mother, is Laura Jenner. Um, Laura Jenner is like a, a young grandmother, essentially. Okay. And we meet him, but not but before that we meet Michael Shannon who you may know, who our listeners may recall, all the way back in episode one, when I was asked to describe to you what Nick looked like, <laughs> I pointed out to a, a, pointed out a Michael Shannon character from Knives Out. And this Michael Shannon character does not look like you at all. Thank you. This I appreciate is that. a suited... Have you ever known interacted with just a a rich corporate schmuck yes i have have you mm-hmm. listeners you you know these folk that michael shannon mm, perfect <laughs> he might be he might i think have the best performance of rich corporate schmuck that i've seen um i'll put up there alec baldwin glenn gary glenn ross that one's more over the top and more kind of yeah, larger than life, mythical. I trust. We actually, I trust. We, we talked have about this. I yelled this at you for not knowing and this And then you, you yelled at me because I'd never seen it in full, and then I did watch it in full, and mm. I loved it. And, um, bam, bam, I think bam. For, Listener, for, if you haven't seen it yet, I'm yelling at you too. Go see Glenn Gary Glenn For s- the sole reason that I realized that Jack Lemmon's character is the origination of the Gil character from The Simpsons. Yeah. Come oh, on, yeah. I really need this. <laughs> Tell me you're buying a lot. I need you to buy a lot. <laughs> ah, one, two old Gil's coming through. I love that. I Shelly love... Levine. <laughs> oh, Shelly fucking Levine. <sighs> it's a sadder name than Gil. <laughs> it really is. Oh. Oh, Gil. Hurts. I might not have known that. Yeah. You might have just blew my mind with that. Because I've been watching some Simpsons lately, and there's a lot of... I'm in the earlier season, so there's a lot of Gil. And every time I see him, I'm like, ah, he's so sad. Holy I love it. shit. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Listeners, if you want to see a sad old man, go watch Glenn Gary, Glenn Roth. Oh, yeah. So, this is a movie that hits similar notes. This movie... Will make your fucking blood boil. Because this movie, because Michael Shannon is a real estate broker for the banks, and the year is 2010. And he is a big swinging dick, piece of shit rich guy who is part of this apparatus of taking people's homes. And we meet him instantly. And he's wheeling and dealing on the phone, getting out of his car. Uh, his line, <laughs> one particular line, I can't hold your hand while you're giving them a hand job. I'm like <laughs> making a sales, wheeling and dealing oh, call. Man. Meanwhile, he is arriving at a house where he is meeting two sheriff's officers, deputy, I don't know what you call them, police officers with the sheriff's department. And just making sure we're recording we are listeners oh, thank listeners God. don't be alarmed we are still recording i have about 15 minutes of paying attention left in me so if we had to restart my word oh yo you can just tune out baby i'll just talk oh good i'll just, <laughs> just doze off do you want a pillow no i'm okay 
<laughs> I'm, I'm here. I'm good. Um, the cops <coughs> show up to his window and... Oh, it's after the eviction. He is arriving at an eviction uh-huh. where the head of household male husband has killed himself. And the family is his wife and children are screaming in the street. And he doesn't give a fuck. He's wheeling and dealing. But he puts on his face, he says the right things. He's like, acts consoling the best, like a shitty rich guy could. Um, He knows the notes to hit. He's good at this. He is a victim of these people, and he's like the guy in a suit, and the cops are the cops. And the three of them, it's the same two cops every time. We. This is not our last eviction. This movie's called Ninety Nine Homes. And, yeah. When he leaves, the cops say, "Need help with anything else, boss?" And it's like boss the way you'd say it, like you'd call a guy Sarge or whatever. Mm-hmm. But it's also, he is kind of the boss here. And these are cops. These are like ostensibly public servants. They're not acting in service of him. They're acting in service of the public they're acting in service of this guy and this guy is acting in service of something larger than himself and one of the people he evicts is Andrew Garfield and Laura Dern and Connor three generations of family and Dern cuts hair in the house apparently he's 80k late on uh mortgage payment ah he's he's kind of like he's sort of scruffed up he's got a good he feels very florida he looks <laughs> he's got a scruff kind of a little bit ratty florida beard yeah florida guy beard nice um and he so mm-hmm. our boy rick carver we learn is michael shannon mm-hmm. and dennis nash Garfield. So I'm going to call him Rick and Nash from here on out. There are two characters. It's, it's... Rizzoli and Isles. <laughs> he, is that a law firm? No, it was a uh, show. Like a cop show about two lady cops. Oh. Like Dykes and Fat? Yeah. <laughs> they, I'm just quoting Saturday Night Live. Um... It's a good bit. Ruth's and Nash, Ruth's and Nash's Chris Steakhouse. Oh I'm sorry. Oh that, God. Was, that was bad. <laughs> That's my favorite new joke format to just put more names into the Ruth's Chris <laughs> Steakhouse. <laughs> it's like nails on a chalkboard. <laughs> There's some the Peter, th- Paul, and Mary Ruth's Chris Steakhouse. There are some names when people say them wrong. It feels like nails on a chalkboard to me. Like if someone said like Barnes and Nobles. Yeah. It hurts, but if someone says Ruth's Chris right, it hurts. <laughs> what? No, that's not where the apostrophe word goes. Chris Ruth's, sure, go nuts. Oh, Simon and Garfunkel's and Ruth's Chris. <laughs> I'm sorry, it's so funny. Every time. Oh, there's no title. <laughs> Simon's the listeners will ride with us. This is how the titles get created. It's funny that it has nothing to do so, with anything. It never it does. Oh, we better true. think of a really good name for number fifty. We should add descriptions. 
No, we don't. <laughs> the, the description Welcome. is the title and then our email address. That's, That's it. it. <laughs> okay, so Spider-Man gets foreclosed on by Big Swinging Dick. Leaping lizards. And it is tense, intense. We had already seen him strap a gun to his ankle. We never feel like this is going to escalate into violence, but it captures the shock anger confusion pleading all of these things all of these very human things it captures and it does it in the first eviction and it does it in andrew garfield's eviction and it does it in every other eviction we see just different people sometimes it's like a real like shitty house sometimes it's a pretty nice mcmansion kind of thing sometimes it's in the middle every time it captures like some different emotion and often several different emotions of the pain of this and this one is no exception during their before their they had gone to a judge the judge said they can appeal in 30 days these guys are here the next day they don't like there's the law they can't beat it they can't find a lawyer they have no money it's just it's a cycle of hopelessness and we learn they're in Orlando, Florida. Disney World. And so one thing they do, they give them two minutes to um, grab whatever they can. But this, they're still freaking out and the camera's moving crazy and it's high intensity music. Eventually, they are forced out by these men and... Their stuff is starting to get thrown on the yard. They need to find what are we going to do with the kid going to school. I can't do it justice in describing it. It's awful. They, one thing, he sees one of the, they have a whole crew of dudes. So it's like suit guy, two cops. And then as soon as they're like in, in, and they get the people out, as soon as they can like get a locksmith. Basically, as soon as the people, they physically are able to remove them, then it's like, all right, move in crew, grab all the shit, get it out of here, put it out on the lawn, change the locks, all of it. It's a well-oiled machine. And you got these kind of like Florida blue-collar dudes working the crew. And one of them's looking through. Spider-Man has like a nice wheeled tool box, big box. And he's like kind of opening it up. Then... Later, $500 in tools are missing. He shows up to Rick Carver's office. And Rick Carver, and he's like confronting this dude. He's, he's like calling this guy out for stealing his tools. And Rick Carver comes out and he's like always in between calls, just wheeling, dealing. And he's got another house to go to. And he kind of sees this in nash and he says hey do you like you want to make 50 bucks and he like and spidey laughs at the audacity and he's like you're in in your position i'd care a lot about 50 bucks right now because he knows because he just fucking kicked this guy out of his house and he does it he he sees this spark in him as like a determined worker and they go to this house the people had left a week earlier and trashed the place and there's overflowing shit all throughout this house. They've written kill bankers on the wall and 
Nash kind of leads up. None of this guy's workers will do it. He's like, 300 bucks, 200, 250. And like, he goes and gets this job done. So one, one thing that Rick Carver, that Michael Shannon captures is the, he recognizes this guy's a good worker. That's the thing. And these rich pricks, they see like the hustle. It's like, oh, they'll let you in. And he says like, don't, he says, don't get emotional about real estate. They're just boxes. And he's like giving him jobs out of desperation, but kind of taking him under his wing. And that job takes the form of they're removing AC units outside a house. The big, the big rectangular ones that are like mounted onto the ground. Mm-hmm. Um, they're taking those off and installing them in another house. We learn a bit about the logistics of like the banking apparatus. Fannie Mae is buying these foreclosed homes and he is the realtor acting on their behalf. And he has all this leverage over people that have these cash for keys deals. Or if you go out of your house without a fight and you leave it empty, if you get all your shit out, Fannie Mae will give you a 3500 bucks right now or whatever it is. And so he's like trying to negotiate his job. He's like negotiating with these people to get them out of their house. And then the last resort, oh, he just shows up with the cops and then you are forced to leave your house. And they are stealing these AC units and installing them in other units of foreclosed houses that, the, that Fannie Mae is going to pay him for. So it's like he's stealing from one of them and putting it in the other, and then the, the owner is paying him for putting it in the other. They like don't even know that that one got stolen. And they're hustling like that, and suddenly Spidey's got a check for $6,000. Oh, and that first two fifty, Darren goes nuts. They're staying in a shitty motel, and Darren's like, "That's like real fucking money! Like, holy shit!" She's thrilled, and all throughout we get this kind of relationship between Nash and Carver. Carver's giving him his wisdom. He's driving there, looking at all that. He's like, "What did you see back there? Last two blocks." He's like houses or whatever and he's like i saw opportunities i saw three with the the grass was overrun there out of the home like he's like i made more money during the crash than ever before he says you just gotta stop and ask um oh that's later oh yeah he like uh he says you just gotta stop and ask what did you do wrong that your family lives in a motel and he says it not like attacking Nash. He's being like sage. He's being wise. He's being like a good, he feels like a good boss. He's saying the right, he's very like disarming and charming and is speaking like some really bastardized form of truth throughout. Mm-hmm. And so you get why Nash would keep going along and the money gets bigger and bigger and he, he it's there and he has an opportunity. And so Nash, he entrusts Nash with more of his dirty work of um, forging the paperwork on the cash for keys deals when the houses are empty. If the house, if they've fled, sometimes these people just fucking leave. If they're totally gone, just forge it. 
that's another several thousand dollars. And Rick asks him when he does it. He says, how much do you tell your buddies? 3,500 or less. And we had just seen, he told his his boys 2,500. And he says, he's like, I ain't saying nothing. But you see Rick smile because he knows he's did 2,500. And he knows that's the right thing. That's the winner's play. That's how you do it. And he's got this nice smile. (laughs) Meanwhile, Nash wants his house back. That's like a recurring. At one point, he's like, I'll just give you all this money back. I'll give you, keep the check. And just give me the house. And he's like, yeah, I'll cut you a deal. 12% interest. He offers him, what is a shit deal? And he's like, that's a shit deal. He says, well, the banks ain't going to give you a better one. And he's right about that. And we learn he accepts that deal, but it's going to take a few weeks. Um, and he, it's going to take a few weeks, so it's not done yet. They're still in the motel. Mm-hmm. At the motel, a guy confronts him angrily because at this point, oh, Nash moves up. Next level for Nash is evicting people. And he says... Oh, okay, before we do that. Oh, yes. So we get, much like Alec Baldwin and Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross, we get the monologue from our boy Rick Carver. And much like Alec Baldwin and Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross, this monologue fucking rules. And I'm going to read a bit of it at length. Mm -hmm. And this is like half of it. Maybe two-thirds in parts. So he says, I'm going to need you to evict someone. I'll do it with you the first time, then you're on your own. And Nash freezes up to actually do it, show up with the cops kind of thing. And he says, could I, uh, could I just... Uh, and you could hear the hesitancy, you could see it. And Michael Shannon goes, go fuck yourself? Yeah. What did you think it would mean working for me? He snaps. He turns on angry. I'm like, you knew it was there, but you didn't see it for like a half hour. But you knew it was there. Who in their right mind wouldn't rather put someone in a home than drag them out of it? And then he goes on a rant about how he's a regular realtor. How it's the fault of the tenants, the fault of the banks, the fault of the government. He kind of identifies all this and describes it fairly well, this apparatus. And... Not that he's necessarily right about all those things, but he continues. I'm not an aristocrat, okay? My daddy was a roofer. I watched him bust his ass until he fell off a roof of a townhouse one day. A life of insurance payments, and they dropped him before he could buy a wheelchair, but only after they got him hooked on painkillers. You think I'm going to let that happen to me? America 2010 doesn't give a rat's ass about Carver or Nash. America doesn't bail out the losers. America was built by bailing out winners, by rigging a nation of the winners, for the winners, by the winners. Later he says, later in the same speech, you go to church, Nash, only one in a hundred is getting on the ark, son, and everybody else is going to drown. I ain't going to drown. And what, why I like that so much is it's fucking true is like he this guy the like objective villain of this movie is 
absolutely right about the fact that he and Nash are sort of in the same exact fucking boat, even though he's in a clearly different position by being very successful. Oh, by the way, it was implied. He's got the mansion on the water. He's got the hot wife. He's got the hot woman he's making out with who's not his wife. He's got the suits. He's, he's the Michael Shannon the cigars, <laughs> the cigars. Exactly. Um, and he's sort of right about that. That like maybe he isn't a bad dude, isn't the bad guy, isn't the fault of this entire thing, even though he's very fucking hateable. And the way this movie shows us that, that's sort of, that's our thesis in soliloquy. And the way the movie tells us, or our evidence for that thesis, is by us watching it happen to Spider-Man. Where he gets further and further, bigger and bigger, so his clothing. His clothing goes from blue collar to then there's the meeting with the with the Vesic investments. It's the real deal. And he's got like a bar mitzvah suit on. And as soon as he's, as he's out of the meeting, he's his ties in his hand and his sh- shirt's unbuttoned and his hair's not great. And then the next one, it's a little, little more polished, and for this big, this big suit deal, he says, uh, Rick says to Nash, because he's he's good at this, and he's he's fucking thirsty. He is hashtag rise and grind through <laughs> and through. He's putting the, the work in, and he's doing a hell of a job. And Rick says, I'll give you five percent. He goes ten. He goes six. And a hand job. No calluses. Because <laughs> he's great. Michael yeah. Shannon steals the fucking show. And he and so Garfield can make like a couple hundred k on this deal. Like that's where the two hundred fifty bucks. Now we're at a couple hundred k in no time. Um, I thought his getting back his old home was going to be a big plot point, right? Mm-hmm. It sort of felt like it was gonna. He, after they seal that fucking deal, he buys a fucking mansion and he brings Dern and the kid. And they're like, what? we want to go back to the house. They freak out on him. Dern freaks out. I'm like, what the fuck? Like, what'd you do? Like, you got this by like kicking other people out of your homes. That's how you got this home. And uh, Dern runs off and he's like, he's like, I sold that house. Like, fuck that shitty house we were <laughs> living in. And oh, God. so we see the transformation and the movie is wonderful throughout and different levels of that. And there are a few more like layers of that that I don't have the energy to get into. But um, it all comes to a head with one so one guy that he shows up with so rick when they're looking at what when rick's telling him i see opportunities and he they go past a house next to one of his houses with the rick carver realty sign and he's running power and water from rick's house and rick's like guaranteed this guy's you know foreclosed on his house and he calls it in and has Nash take the lines out 
And this guy's like, I know you, man. Like, I know you from... I saw you at foreclosure court. Our kids go to the same school. And they, like, commiserate. And he's taking out the lines. And But they commiserate, and it's good. And it's like, oh, he sees his son. Oh, you know my boy? It's sweet. Then Nash is the one who kicks him out. And he's saying all the right things. But he's forcibly removing this man from his property. And then that man threatens him. And then he, or he hasn't kicked him out fully yet because the standoff happens where that man has his rifle and won't leave his house and has his family in there. And Rick, or Nash rather, is already, he's heartbroken. His family leaves and he's alone. He gets drunk on the mansion floor. And the standoff happens. Rick comes out when, you know, in front of the firing line, all the cops got their guns. Classic standoff, suburban home, angry dad standoff. Yeah. We know this Every one. Every 4th of July, we love it. <laughs> <laughs> you pop up a case of Michael. We've all been Bob there. Bob gets tuned up and <laughs> tries to kill the sheriff. It's another week. <laughs> and... Nash breaks the, walks out towards the house with his hands up, and he looks like he wants this fucker to shoot him, and it feels like, oh, maybe he will. And he says, Nash says to him, um, I cheated, oh, he cheated him. I forgot this part. Rick makes him drop off at the courthouse. They're gonna. The deal's gonna fall through because this guy's fighting his eviction. The same one who his son went to him, and now he sees Rick or sees Nash kicking him out, and they and Nash is the one who has to drop it off at the courthouse, and it's his most morally conflicted, and he's about to not do it, and Rick calls him. He's like at the courtyard with this forged illegal file that's gonna get them the deal and kick this guy out of his house and he's about to walk away and Rick's Rick's on the phone he's like you fucking piece of shit fuck you and then the court clerk just some guy standing there sees this guy getting all nervous and walks up to him he's like you're Nash and he looks at him he doesn't say anything and he just yanks the file he's like give me a fucking piece of shit he says whatever the same exact thing oh. Rick Carver does and he grabs the file forces his hand guy gets kicked out of his house then the standoff okay I gotcha I gotcha and he comes out he says I cheated you I put a forged document in your file this is your home and the guy eventually tosses the gun and walks outside and gets cuffed. And then, meanwhile, Rick's watching all this in a suit. Like, he's a very present figure in all these evictions. And he's, like, sort of like, this fucking kid, goddammit. Like, he's, uh... Man. He's rolling on me. But they... Not many words are said from this point forward, but Nash is put in the back, talks with detectives. He says, uh, you know, I work with Rick Carver, blah, blah, blah. It's like, oh, this story. The detectives need to talk with both these men, they say. 
And Nash goes in the back of a police car, not handcuffed, but placed in. And then they're standing on the grass, kind of chatting with Michael Shannon. And then the shootout gun father's uh, son, who knows Nash's son, looks at Nash through the police car, outside the police car, cop car window, and runs away. And credits. And I think that ending's the weakest part. Yeah. Yeah. Because you know there are guns. Chekhov's gun is announced, and like you know the tension is building, and it didn't feel necessarily explicitly violent before, but you feel it, and you know something's going to happen with Nash. And I think it was wonderful to sort of... I think the the first eighty percent is my favorite. Just building, just making him go. You think he's gonna like just good guy it and be out to get Michael Shannon or something, and he just gets hook line and sinkered into this, and like for good fucking reason, because the money's there, because the opportunity's there. You're gonna he fucking has a mansion in what feels like a matter of months, and you believe it too, and it's possible too, and. It's to, uh, it feels a little like to have him that fully just bought in just every page of the book was him advancing further into it. Mm -hmm. And the hesitancy that was there at the beginning disappears and the clothes get nicer and the suits get polished and the money, the checks get bigger and the luxury gets bigger and... Then for him to suddenly in this moment kind of make this decision counter to all that, I think is inaccurate because it it hinges it all on a moment when, as the movie just showed, it's a slow, it's it's the frog in the boiling water. The heat slowly builds and you don't usually get this shootout, this moment to be the hero or the villain where you get to fall one way or the other. Yeah, I think it's slower than that, and I think the movie showed us it was. Um, that said, still a sick fucking movie. This sounds like, like the absolute dream, like semi autobiographical, dramatic, like real life kind of movie that I adore. So I am genuinely gonna check this, this out. This movie I'm is excited. great, 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 great film. Can't wait to see the uh, trashy Andrew Garfield. He was great. I can't wait to see them. Um... Garfield was amazing. It wasn't the derniest, but when she was there, she was um, emotional grandma. What's that story where they make the the frumpy British girl into a woman? Or is it the frumpy British boy into a man? Um, great Expectations? Yes. I can't wait to see them. Great it. Expectations, Andrew Garfield. <laughs> He's probably done it. Honestly. Either. I was going to say Pretty Woman, but I wanted to do the OG uh, reference. Um, Raman Barani, I haven't watched it yet, but I read the book, but a movie from this year that was very well acclaimed, The White Tiger, on Netflix. Okay, I know a little bit about this. I'm going to, despite having not seen it, now knowing that's the guy who directed it, and I know the book it's based off of, go watch The White Tiger, too. That's on Netflix. Then you get into it, and... You pay Jeff Bezos three ninety nine to watch ninety nine homes. Uh, old Jeffy. 
Jeffy. He's going to space. I don't know if you heard. All you got to do, Amazon.com. Hashtag Dern. Dern after. Dern after. R-E-A. <laughs> That's all we can afford. <laughs> the worst one. Dern after Rhea. Dern after Rhea. One four. One five. Just dial down the center. <laughs> Don't laugh like you even understand that reference, uh, child. No, I don't. That's well before your time. So there was. There <laughs> yeah. was. Do, do you know what collect calls? Do you know what a collect call is, Nicholas? Yeah. Well, the people are dying to know. Collect. That's like when you call someone and they the person who receives it has to pay for the call? Yes. Yes. Okay. Most okay. often with like... Uh, featured in film when a prisoner is called. Yeah, like, do you accept a call from yes. Lenny at blah 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 yes. correctional facility? Or I'm Bob, we had a baby pizza boy. It's a <laughs> wonderful commercial. I know that commercial. I'm with you. Um, prior to that, there was like this weird bubble in like 1997 where collect calls became every commercial there was, and it was like 1 800 collect and 1 800 call ATT. Huh. And I believe it's call ATT is dialed down the center because oh, it's all the center row of the cool. phone. And I want to say it was like Marlon Wayans was the guy. Hell yeah, um, getting that money. I want to say Dewey from Scream. Okay. What's his name? Uh, David Arquette. Yep, that's his name. Gen X listeners, let us know. Okay, well, while we're here, do you want to know what we're watching next week? I guess. Eric Stoltz. Wait. You, that we, yeah. Oh, so your movie stars Eric Stoltz next no week. No shit, Eric, really? Yeah, it's Eric Stoltz, Laura Dern, and then some other schmucks. But it's, um... <laughs> we get to find out the answer we to do. implausible scenario I, but you do I don't I uh, Haunted Summer it is a yes! ro- romance drama 1988 oh romance drama I wanted slasher flick ooh okay I might What's actually Haunted Summer yeah 1988. Lord Byron uh, Mary Shelley is ooh. a character ooh it looks like it takes place on some it's a period boat. piece we love a period and a piece mmm and I will be watching a movie called... Yes! Alex Winter. Oh, I missed that. A.K.A. Bill from oh, Bill and Oh my Ted. god! You know, I couldn't tell because the IMDb picture is the older version. Wow. He looks exactly the same. I know, he but he's got some extra... His head's wider now. Um, and I get to watch The Fault in Our Stars. Yes! We knew it was going to happen. Yep, we sure did. Didn't we already know it was yours? Yeah, I knew. I usually write them in like a week or so ahead of time, so they're already on the page. By the way, I looked at your spreadsheet for the first time. Yeah. I took a code-breaking class in college. I did quite well. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not going to be falsely modest about that. Okay. I do not understand your spreadsheet one bit. I mean, this is also the modified one, because this was... Oh, I checked them both. Oh, well. And they, it is all Greek to me, baby. I don't know. Whatever is not highlighted is what we have left, and then all the shows and stuff. Ah, okay. How do you choose them? Um, They were randomized, and I forget, I honestly forget the original cri- criteria for 
Little Dern versus Big Dern. I think one of the things was if it was a television movie, it was automatically a Little Dern. <sighs> television movie or like television show was Little Dern. Music video, obviously art film, Little Dern. Some of the movies that are Little Derns though, I'm not sure how they ended up there. I think they might've been movies that I just knew she had a small part in, or maybe if she was listed as like a small part. Cause like she is a very small part in the Fault in Our Stars. All right, gotcha. But yeah. Fun. I don't oh. even know what it is. I know it. I just yeah, know I mean, it's, it's based uh... on a John Green book. It's about cancer kids. It's an okay story. It's an okay movie. You know, you know. cancer kids. Yeah. We've been here before. Well, what are you gonna do? All right. Any last words? <sighs> um, oh, I have one I wrote down and never said. I am the Lorax. I speak, speak for, for the, the Derns. Oh, oh, Laura X. I speak for the Derns. If we already didn't have that amazing episode title, that would have been it. But I will say, I don't think I've told you this. Max fact. Max that is fact. perhaps my most cherished. Max fact. Max fact. Go ahead. That is perhaps my most cherished childhood book. Is a good one. It's the Lorax. Little Max. Little Max hated the logging industry. I did. Now I never felt like him. I felt like the. The boy who gets the seed. Ah, from ew. the uh, <laughs> gross from from the sneed. Ah, yeah. He gives them a like a a nail, the nickel. Yeah, I bet you know what it runs yeah. you these I, days. I bet you. you and felt then, you like know you got to account for inflation. You felt like one of those big shot star belly sneeches right when they got the star <laughs> and they felt all cool. <laughs> you felt like the white man. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Sneed. Oh, Lord. Well, Baba Booey, that's it. See you maybe all. next week. Nah, we'll do. We'll, we'll, we'll be back on hey, the wagon again. Hey, we'll see you tomorrow. We'll see you when we see you. And thank you to all of our Patreon subscribers who we will name. <laughs>